Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? It's January 14th, 2022, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 454. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Patrick Klepek. Listening to, we, we, I like the weird energy we're starting yeah. with. Uh, hello, hello, I'm here. Uh, we did some, we did some major shit talking, cut from the pod beforehand, and then we just <laughs> rolled right into this thing. What if I just bleep everything that is uh, identifiable? Just like the beep on the beep beep, and that beep said beep beep beep. <laughs> Also, if we leave it to our listeners' imaginations, they will imagine stuff that is so much worse and less innocuous than what we were actually talking about. <laughs> it's true. Uh, anyway, once again, cleaning up our pre-show, making this all hang together, our producer, Ricardo Contreras. Yo. How are you awake? It's two, but I'm, I'm two still asleep. <laughs> two in the afternoon, Cotto. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you, aren't you sleeping bad? I'm sleeping bad. Are you sleeping bad? Did you fix I, it? Oh, I'm sleeping terribly. No, <laughs> no, I'm not. It's not fixed. Like, we're slowly uh, clawing our way back to, like, I'm almost getting six hours a night. Here's my mistake. And, yeah. My mistake today was not having coffee until two o'clock. It is now 2.10. Kato applying his definition of lunch to coffee. Yeah. Were you like proving a point? Were you on a, do you have a bet? <laughs> no, I made myself a matcha latte because I was like, that's going to be delicious. Thinking that I didn't need the coffee yet. And then <laughs> one rolls around and I'm like, I should have had a coffee. What was I thinking? <laughs> so I will say like there was, um, I feel like this, co- th- this comes and goes in like, uh, discourse, but during one of the waves of people being like, you know, really, we just get hooked on coffee. We don't actually need it. A cup of cold water in the morning is all you need to wake you up. And I know that because I haven't had coffee in like 12 years. And so during one of those, I was like, you know, I am pretty dependent on coffee. Maybe I should see what's on the other side of like not being dependent on coffee. So I went through like weeks of Feet like dealing with withdrawal headaches, which were pretty bad, uh, and got to a point where like I don't need coffee, and my life was worse. <laughs> like I went through all of that, and I was like, you know, really, I just feel slightly less focused and more tired, uh, and I really miss having coffee in the morning. <laughs> so uh, we, we, good job. We went to all of this to discover that life could be like. The same, but marginally less worse, but you wouldn't be dependent on that thing that every day reliably made you feel better. I, it's been fascinating watching, uh, you know, f- folks go through, uh, v- you know, uh, versions of COVID where they, you know, lose their taste and smell. And 
obviously that just sounds like a huge pain in the ass and like kind of scary like like in all aspects the thing that scares the shit out of me is the people that like stuff suddenly tastes nasty or smells nasty yeah we've talked about that before and yeah. the, obviously that's that's awful but like in the like more realm of the mundane is is that how it ruins coffee for you and so then it like e- even if you are mostly feeling well <clears throat> but you lose the taste and smell it, it like just completely disrupts your routine because so much of coffee like other than like the ingredients that are affecting your bi- bi- like biology and psychology is just is like the smell and like the process of that on your tongue and losing it like the most recent one of this was like you know you and i uh, rob listened to the hogan john's bears podcast and like one of them got it and it's like it just ruined coffee they couldn't drink it for like three weeks because not tasting it made it like the whole process irrelevant so they switched to tea because at least tea was like like a more pleasant mouthfeel which i thought was like just like a really interesting observation about I don't like the, the habits we fall into with like the various things that we are <laughs> mildly addicted to. And then the discovery that it is, I think in some ways that I, I thought of that because it is disconnected from the process you went through, which is like, Oh, well you're just, it's just like the thing that makes you awake. And if you get away from that, you'll be fine. And it's like, well, no, this person still was drinking it, but it, no, it, like the, it, they were robbed of like a huge part of the thing that made it pleasurable for them. Even if they like keep you awake part, was technically still there. Yeah, I mean, I will say at the end, the end of all that, I drink far less coffee than I did before that. Like when I did yeah, that, I was drinking. That makes sense. Like, uh, <laughs> so not like Rob's still cup afraid cups, to say it because a, it's still like it's still a shitload. But it's like less of a shitload than before. Like <laughs> no, 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 one shitload I, instead of two. When shit I loads. when I sort of throttled it back, uh, I was drinking like. Probably seventy to eighty ounces of black coffee a day, which is what? How many like how that's many, how many? How big is your mug? six or seven cups of coffee? Uh, so the the analogy more like it would be like four pint glasses, uh, right? <laughs> of, <laughs> that's, a lot of, that's a lot of coffee. Yeah, well, so th- this was all like basically I never throttled back from when I was writing right. a thesis at uh, like college, and okay. so like I like there's a period in my life where. From morning until pretty late at night, I would be drinking coffee and like I felt immortal. And like I was like, (laughs) you know, coffee keeps some people up, but not me. Uh, I can have uh, coffee until like, you know, nine, ten at night. And then I just sleep like a baby. And that was because of the crushing fatigue that the coffee was just like barely masking. Uh, But like once I got away from it, it's like, you know, like not getting raging caffeine withdrawal headaches if I haven't had like. 40 ounces of coffee by like 11 in the morning. Oh. That's nice. I like that. So That's like, an it, what, like That's a I good... got to a good place. Yeah. Did, did, was your sleep good then when you tried this coffee experiment? Cause my, okay. So kind of, we are actually, so this is actually how I ended up realizing that I might be someone with ADHD because uh-huh. for years afterwards. So like around this time too, I like finally cut smoking and all this stuff and for ages, I was like, why do I feel like a fraction of the person I was toward the end of college where, like, all I did was not eat and drink coffee and smoke about a half pack of unfiltered cigarettes a day? And I was more productive and, like, put together mm-hmm. and my life was more <laughs> under control than ever before. And I couldn't figure it out until, like, at some point, years of, like, pondering this were, like, Man, I guess the, the you know the only lesson here is 
don't be healthy and don't try to make good choices continue to damage your body uh, so you can be a go-getter. But then it occurred to me that maybe there's something else going on, which was that if you boiled it down, I had been just bombarding myself with the most intense, like uncontrolled stimulants that they just like sell everywhere in America, right? Like all the time. And that's basically what ADHD treatment is, right? Like it <laughs> is, we're going to like hit you with some serious fucking stimulants because that's what you need to like just tune in a little bit. Uh, and that's where I was like, oh shit, I think I, there's a, there's a small chance that like all those attention issues and shit might be clinically interesting as opposed to me being a piece of shit uh, which is what I believe for like 25 years yeah yeah when um when did you all drink coffee for the first time because I think like the the moment that coffee I, I assume for a lot of people it's college and it was for me too but it wasn't in the traditional sense of um like I needed it to stay up late at night I did not touch coffee until I met my fucking wife. Like I, it just had never been a thing. I, I had soda or whatever, but it was that I was drinking it like purely for the taste as opposed to as like a caffeine bump. And then she, she's, she's a coffee hound. She's not quite as bad as, as uh, Rob uh, got back in his <laughs> rabid days, but like it, it, it can be pretty, it can be pretty bad at times. And, um, and she, when we first started dating, she came down, I was still in college and she like bless her heart would like stay Sunday night, get up at the ass of Monday morning to drive two and a half hours away from my school to make it to, you know, like her like eight o'clock, like work start time. It was incredible. Um, But she obviously needed coffee to do that. And I remember just distinctly being like, well, never had it. I I'll try it. Uh, And then it was just. I was like, oh no! I, I, it was, I was blissfully unaware of like what this can do to the human body until this moment, and then the moment it touched my lips, uh, I, I, you know, at first I was just putting as much sugar and like cream as I could into it because I couldn't stand like the bitter taste, and then I now I've gone to the opposite direction where I put absolutely nothing in it um, ever. But um, I'm curious where the where the rest of you when did when when did it come in? I was probably like seven or eight. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hold I on. Come, I He's come Colombian. Yeah, I'm come from a <laughs> Colombian household. What the fuck did you expect? So how does that work though? Is it like like a, like a like a in the morning? Like, hey, here's coffee for everyone. It's like a like a Christmas treat. Like it, you know, like it's cold out. Come in, have some coffee. No, I mean we lived in. It's Florida, more like so. Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, where they where they where they bully Rudolph for not conforming <laughs> until like he puts on a little like nose cone. It's like Kato, <sighs> drink it, drink your espresso, drink it, baby. Uh, it's. I mean, it's it's literally just like obviously my parents were drinking it all the time and it smells really good and so like you ask and like what they do instead of being like no that's not for kids it's just like they make you a uh like it's mostly milk with like a mm. tablespoon of coffee in there to get a little bit of the taste mm. and sugar in there. That it's like, delightful. Oh, it's delicious. It's like, yeah, exactly. It's like it's so actually making you more coffee. susceptible to yeah. really just loving yep. the shit out of coffee. Yep. <laughs> what if we made Started it candy? Early. Yeah, got you hooked, and then increasingly uh-huh. less milk, less sugar, more coffee. Yeah. Um, but like it was part of it was part of a thing. Also, like drinking like learning to drink hot things very early on because uh before these you start getting coffee you do get hot chocolate like with like yep. big 
breakfast meals on the weekend usually um or even like during the week if there was enough time but usually there wasn't enough time uh but like that was one of the things like you have to learn how to drink hot things and not burn yourself and we're starting you at like Mm -hmm. age five (laughs) uh, on that uh because that's just you have hot drinks with many of your meals like they're um there's a big smart part of like drinking um caldo i guess it's just like pure broth as like part of a dish where it's like you have a mug of broth and you drink it along with like a plate of rice and chicken and uh potatoes um and just like that's part of um specifically my family comes from what is called uh uh it's like cold country basically it's up it's up in the mountains in in colombia so there's a lot of like you're drinking hot things a lot so part as part of that very early into coffee and just like kind of never did the whole like because i i I developed a taste for it early on it was always like i think that would taste good right now and less about the caffeine like Mm. effect on me which i also had this idea that coffee did not uh, affect me um but i don't <laughs> i don't it, it, I it's mostly anymore. it's mostly it's it was mostly that i didn't i just didn't take into account that going to sleep at 2 wasn't on purpose like this is like no i'm that's just naturally when i would go to sleep anyways right uh no it's because i had coffee at 4 uh, and therefore, I'm going to stay up forever. Um, but it felt natural. I didn't feel jittery, right? I never get the jitters with caffeine, so I don't understand it as, like, that's why I'm still awake. It's just like, I'm still awake. I feel fine. I'm still awake. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I started... I'd had coffee, like, occasionally, like, begging for a sort of like uh, Getting a little bit of coffee with some milk in it when I, when I was a little kid, but it didn't, like... I didn't enjoy it as much, uh, so I I didn't really get into it. But then in high school, uh, never I would never have to explain like what I was up to or what I was doing. If the answer is basically I was hanging out in a diner until like one in the morning with my friends drinking coffee. Um, and so that is kind of what a lot of us did, which which was that, you know, we would um we sure shit weren't doing homework. Uh, so we would, we would, uh, we would sort of like, uh, you know, go around and, uh, collect a critical mass of people. And then we would go like in camp at a diner, uh, for all hours. And like the only thing they'll give you there is free is water and coffee. Uh, so we would just order the endless coffee, uh, and basically keep that coming. And it was shitty diner coffee, but like it was also, you know, I have a lot of nostalgia for like shitty diner coffee for this reason, right? It, it, was, it was just our it was freely available diner yeah. coffee. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then and then in college, it started turning into more of a um a a, a productivity aid, and uh, you know enough to get me through various projects. And at that point, I was off to the races. And the other reason why I had to cut consumption back uh, a number of years back was um we just moved out here, and the cost of living was so much higher. Uh, that it was like to sustain my current levels of coffee consumption. I have, we were down to eight o'clock coffee, Mm. big bags of eight o'clock coffee. Now 
I'm a man, not an animal. So I was like, I can't drink this. He said he says but, as he looks in my direction. But with the aid, <laughs> but with the aid of our friends at Cafe Bustello, <laughs> that terrible cup yeah. of eight o'clock coffee could turn into a pretty passable French roast. Uh, and so this is this is what I was doing was I was sort of like mixing together the Cafe Bastello uh, vacuum packed <laughs> like ground espresso mix into my like flavorless sawdust eight o'clock coffee beans. And then eventually I was like, you know, I could just drink less coffee and maybe then I could buy real coffee and life would be good. Uh, and it was better. So, you know, I, I think I, I think we got there eventually. I think the people who were like life's better without coffee, they were lying. But life's better with coffee as like, you know, well, a moderation daily ritual. Is key, and moderation treat. is key to everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that part is true. And just by the way, you brought up the, the rituals of things, uh, Patrick. The other day I was, um, I was like on Instagram and I was served up an ad that was like, finally, a coffee grinder that's silent. So you don't wake up the house grinding your morning coffee. And I was like, that's the point, you assholes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, finally, we found a way to brew coffee without generating any delicious roasty smells wafting through the house, summoning the family to the kitchen at last. Uh, So, yeah, I'm 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 all in for the uh, for the ritual. Uh, Do you have. Uh, your household gets up at the same time situation because no, well, that, that's the thing. <laughs> like, I feel like, <laughs> oh, they get up when Rob's coffee grinder starts. Yep. <laughs> so I think we learned something about how the, how the Rob's desperately. It's, it's seven in the morning. He wants the coffee, but his partner's asleep. And then his, his hands begin to shake as he grabs it, the grinder. Here's the thing. Uh, I am the final alarm clock um, because MK will just sleep. And so mm. like I like make sure she is out of bed by such and such a time. So like at a certain point, like the volume of everything down here slowly comes up. But the first alarm clock is Mina. Um, <laughs> Mina wakes yep. up around like 530 sure. in the morning and maneuvers herself to like position her face like a foot away from yours and just <laughs> stares at you. Willing you to wake up from like 530 to 630. And then the minute you begin to stir, she like jumps up and down in triumph because she did it. And then she slaps you in the in in the chest. And then like it's really intense. And then you shower. And then I start my day around like 730. And then, yeah, uh, I like the summoning rituals involve coffee, um, sending Mina up on a on a wake up uh, expedition. Um, so that's that's how things work here. But yeah, we, we like we don't have a synchronized <laughs> so, wake up time. Rob's like summoning Cthulhu as part of his process <laughs> to get to get to get his partner to wake up. <laughs> Mina, would you like to awaken the Great One? <laughs> uh, yeah, we we all the ours is, is it's it's similar. The the dog sleeps, but the the baby, you know, she wakes up around. 6.30, So it's like whenever you hear crying because she hasn't learned that she can get out of her bed, although she doesn't know how doors work yet. Um, so all that'll come with time. Um, and eventually then babies what do else? the exact same thing. They come up to your bed and 
they stare at you in the face. I mean, that's what Jessica did to me last night. She woke up, went to the bathroom, got spooked about something in her in her room, and she's like, "Can you come sleep with me?" Which is me just sleeping. We <laughs> we built her a bunk bed for yep. her most recent birthday because that she talked about that for the longest time. Um, it's like I want my sister to sleep in the bunk bed. And I was like, uh, well, I don't know if you're going to like your sister at the point that, you know, that becomes a possibility. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be like eight or nine. She'll be three. I was like, I don't know if you're going to want to do that, but like, sure. Like bunk beds are cool. It saves us some space in your room. And then with like her, like fancy mattress was supposed to go in wherever she slept, which we thought would be the, the, the above bunk. It's cool to be up there. Right absolutely not like we built it and she was like that's scary and that's next to the fan and i was like okay um so so, but but whenever i have to go in there because she's spooked or something like that i try to not sleep with her and i like try i was like i'll be in the room and like i'll go up and i'll I'll sleep on the top bunk and so i left her fancy mattress up there and gave her the shit mattress because like if i'm gonna be in here once a week um my back's gonna feel better you don't need this like your back's not gonna be crooked if you have the, the crummy mattress um but kids do the same thing. They stare They stare at you in the face until you wake up and go, ah, what do you need? I recently, like, I'm convinced that, like, there's no way small children and dogs don't, like, on some instinctive level, like, believe in magical thinking, right? Like, <laughs> that because you don't have agency. All you can do is, like, stare at shit and hope it happens. And eventually it probably will because what you know to hope for is, like, routine, Right. It's Mm -hmm. like, I sure hope this thing I want that always happens, happens a little bit sooner. I will (laughs) stare at this at this thing to make it happen. And eventually it will. And every time, like Mina has this look of like, I pulled it off. I did it again. (laughs) It just cracks me up. Cats, cats, however, believe in action. My cat likes to come up and nibble on my leg and be like, hey, I haven't been fed yet. I'm like, you still have 30 minutes till feeding time. Get off of me. Well, that's why uh, some some people will get for their kids. We didn't. We haven't had to do that because our kids weren't super obnoxious about waking up. But like, if you have kids that like routinely wake up at like four thirty in the morning or something like that, and they they cannot get themselves back to bed, it's like you know, people will get like these red light, green lights to like go in their room and they're programmable. So it's like, hey, if you wake up and it's a red light, it is you are not allowed. You cannot enter the parental room. Like, <laughs> do not. You can do whatever you want in this room. You can go get your cereal. Like, they'll be like a tasks that are assigned to the kids that they can do. But you are until you see that green light, you are not allowed to to go into to, to wake the parents, which I think is a unfortunate. We haven't had to do that. They just sleep normally. But like, uh, there sometimes there are. I'm not sure if that would work for <laughs> Mina. Though. I would love <laughs> Wait that to- though. That sounds great. <laughs> Like I would like I would hang like submarine like uh, condition lights in in the corner, uh, like like sorry, uh, you know the general quarters red light is is lit. Uh, you can't we until we stand down for the morning. Uh, you can't you can't come in here. It's sleep it's sleeping hours. Uh, so Patrick, yeah. Uh, before we get into speaking of like you know things that we have been conditioned to expect and want and hope for, um, <laughs> I think we'll be talking a little bit like what we're excited for this year. Uh, but you've also been playing some new stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, I've been uh, playing uh, a couple of different things. Um, one of them came out just before the holidays. I'm kind of picking at it um, on my Switch, although it's on a I think it's on PC uh, as well. Uh, Film Mechanism, I think that's F-I-L-M-E-C-A, Film Mechanism. Um, it's a uh, 2D kind of like a puzzle platformer game uh, in which the 
gimmick, uh, the hook, uh, is that you can take a screenshot or uh, like a, a snapshot in time of how the how the level looks at that moment, and then you can revert it to that state um, using various power-ups. So like there are these little kind of like film canisters that you find, and every time you get one of those, that allows you to take a snapshot of uh, of the level um, and then revert it back. And it's not hard to imagine how you might use that to shift platforms around and, uh, you know, various other things you would find in your sort of traditional platformer. And I don't have a ton to say about the game other than it's like super delightful. I find it has this really smart, you know, we were talking about, uh, what was that puzzle game where you shift the the box around? Mm, I have it on. Oh. Uh, hold on. Shift the box? Yeah, we talked Mom Cage, um, oh, which I right. should point out. Mom Cage. <laughs> talked about that before the holidays, and I was like, man, I really wish that game was on like a phone or a tablet. And like someone DM me, it's like, it is. And I was like, oh, <laughs> cool. Uh, so I, uh, since downloaded it on my iPad, I need to catch up on where I'm at on, on the PC. But um, I praised that game for having a really uh, intuitive, naturalistic hint system, which I think is really difficult to nail <clears throat> in puzzle games. Um, and uh, a film mechanism doesn't have like a hint system necessarily, but it has like these trees that you can choose from of like a, oh, I wish I, they're labeled very funny. Um, I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but it's not just easy, medium, hard. Like they're, they're, they're labeled much funnier than that, but it, it's the, it's the equivalent. It's like, Hey, here's an easy track of puzzles. Here's a medium track of puzzles. And then here's like a nightmare track of puzzles. And uh, it's, it's a really interesting way of framing a puzzle game because it's like, look, how are you responding to these mechanics? Like what level of difficulty are you looking for? And rather than scaling difficulty in the traditional sense, which is that like, Hey, you'll start at one point, get to another point, And, uh, it's going to be sort of like a hill that you're climbing. What I found sticking to the easy, uh, uh, section is that it just stays easy. Um, it stays where like the very obvious thing you should do to solve the puzzle you know what? That is the solution. Congrats. Like you nailed it. Um, and so there, it introduces different mechanics, like different way that like you're manipulating the environment, but the difficulty isn't scaling in the way that it, that it normally does or your expectation normally is in a video game. It is just like, it doesn't make it, does it give you brain pleasure to solve this in this sort of way at this sort of like pushback from, from the game designer? And I'm like, yeah, yes, it does cool would you just like a hundred of those instead of actually being like damn like we need to challenge you to the moon and make sure you're applying everything that you've you've learned over the last six hours like no the game doesn't work that way um and um so i'm working my way through the easy ones and my guess is medium will probably be like the nice like middle ground um and that the nightmare level will be like beyond my comprehension or uh, a way of enjoying the game. But I just thought it was like a really fascinating way of presenting this style of game. I I, I want to go back to figure out like, are, the, are they just harder versions of existing levels or is it a different set of puzzles that you're engaging with? But it's it's just a, a kind of baffling to play a game in which the difficulty is flat because that is just not really how games of challenge or puzzle are presented. And I found it to be like a really delightful surprise. It's also a lot of extra work. Right. Like instead of making one flat difficulty curve, having to make, quote unquote, the same puzzle, but harder in, you know, that's just like so much more. Content well, that's why than, I, I, that's yeah. why I have to I should double check to see if the levels are different, because right, then, then it right. could just be, a, 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 you know, a situation where I think here it says they made 200 
levels. And it's like, okay, Ooh. well, you just you sort them and then you try and like right. flatten the difficulty according to you know the, the metric that the you know the player is looking for. Um, but that's just not usually like flat. Usually right. there yeah. are kind of curves up and down. And some of them are like it took me a little bit longer than others. But like it is just always like I didn't really pick up on this until about like hour or two where I was like, you know what? Like when I walk in the room and I go and I throw and I guess what the, the solution is, it's always that. I'm so smart. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Like the game, when it said easy, it was like, I'm easy, baby. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm just, I just have the bulls on. I'm watching them slowly lose to the Nets after tying at 71-71 at a crucial part in the third quarter. And then they completely fucking blew it. And that was a bummer. Um let me just solve these easy puzzles so I can feel good about that instead of watching my team just melt down on national TV for a quarter and a half. That's where I was at last night. Rob, you should be watching the Bulls. Um, every So they're not – they're like almost never on in my market is the frustrating thing. Like you're getting all these games because you're in the Chicago market. I'm yeah. like, what are they showing tonight? And it's like, oh, it's the Lakers and the Nuggets. And like, you know, fine, but also, no, I'm not, I'm not, I got other stuff to do. Rob, I, I, I mean, I, okay. Like, as we all know, there's so, no way to, there's no way to watch no, games. No, no way to no, solve that issue. The internet? Me oh, I that. should buy the NBA League Pass thing? That's exactly yeah, what you're Yeah, you should buy the NBA Le- League Pass <laughs> thing. Like, you should do if that. If only there were a friend, or maybe a friend I haven't met yet. <laughs> who had league pass who was like sharing it uh mm-hmm. for kudos and props and like <laughs> just to be a good uh just to be a good corporate citizen um so patrick i like i feel like the game with flat difficulty curve discourse is real similar to our realizing things are hitting different as we age discussion too <laughs> where it's like you know what? What if you know those early, those really easy early puzzles that puzzle games give you? What if they made the whole game yeah! out of those like high yeah! five, like "Hey, bro, good job"? <laughs> you understand? You understand the basic mechanics? Would you like to just do that again? Absolutely! Like, sign me up for six hours of that. Uh, and what's the other one you've been playing? Uh, the other one. Uh, this is uh, this is recommended to me on. Twitter, uh, I will, I will, during the break, I will dig up who, uh, sent it to me because, uh, they, they noted it specifically for me. Cause, uh, one of the games I liked a lot last year was a game called Elec Head, um, which was this like mm-hmm. electricity sort of base platformer where you're controlling a little dude who, um, uh, could like manipulate electricity in different ways to solve puzzles. Um, and they had pointed out to me that Below the Ocean was a game that uh, kind of reminded uh, them of that. And I can definitely echo that. Uh, Below the Ocean is a game. It's uh, I think it's only on Steam uh, at the moment. Um, but it is a – it only took me uh, an hour to finish, which is awesome. Um, like rare to find a game that is like in- incredibly satisfying that also is sort of like in and out. But also it manages to have uh, – the thing I like the most in like modern uh, Mario games from Nintendo, which is that, man, we got like 600 ideas. Should have saved them. We didn't. Shit. <laughs> All 600 of them are here. Like, do you want to play with one for 30 seconds? Great. So in Below the Ocean, you are uh, you know, some legendary, you know, family. I don't know. You're some legendary explorer. Like you're, you're diving down to the ocean. And the like the kind of uh, conceit here is that you uh, are traveling from like oxygen tank to oxygen tank. 
And every time that you do that, you're attaching sort of like your, I don't know what you would call it, like the, what's the, like not rope, but like, what are the, what are the tube? thing? Your tube. Like yeah. air tube? Air tube. Um, uh, like that, yeah, like it's that. Beca- since, since I did bell diving, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, yeah, the little thing that like you're, is hanging behind, you know, you know, uh, uh, like a deep sea, uh, diver. Um, and like, that is something that you can then, it becomes sort of like a physics manipulation. So like you can jump around the environment. You can use that to like wrap around objects and then suddenly you can like swing yourself and you have uh, momentum. Um, and the, delightful thing about blow the ocean is like it takes that like very basic conceit and then just throws a billion other ideas at that where you're like wrapping it around in order to like charge up like a version of an attack you're using that to like throw yourself into different um uh sort of like speed boosts it's like it's it's like there's like a million ideas like it's similar to uh uh, film mechanism it is a like pretty a basic game but like if if you like me like little smart puzzle platformers um it comes highly uh recommended um i mean it's funny because the description here says uh dive uh deep below the ocean haha in search of legendary treasures while using your auction lifeline to swing past obstacles run jump swing bubble jump bungee slingshot puzzle solve platform treasure hunt uh which is indicative of like what you do uh here as well it is a game that is just like you it is split into chapters that you can play like four chapters in in any order um and every time you start it shows you the controller layout which is like uh jump move that's the game i have fun which is is both true and also incredibly deceptive because it's almost there to sort of like poke fun at the fact that like hey whatever you learned last time is going to have like very little application to what you're doing going forward like yep you're this little dude, you've got a rope behind you, but we're like not going to use any of the stuff that you did before and like brand new mechanics are going to be applied as you as you enter the section. And there's kind of a theming to each of the different chapters, but uh, it's just a it's just a really smart game with a with a ton of smart ideas. And um, I'm always appreciative of games that uh, not, you know, I don't know to throw this in like a game that like respects my time because I feel like that usually applies to like big bloated games that like don't know where to stop. But it is it's cool to play a game that like is willing to throw this many ideas in this short amount of time. So um, shout outs to, it's not even a studio. It's just uh, uh, Ismael Rodriguez, just, just a person uh, uh, seems to have made this. So uh, shout outs to, to them and shout outs to uh, below the ocean. That's uh, a, a really, really cool game. Tether, tether. That's the word we were looking for. T- tether. I wasn't ever going to get there from what you were saying. No. Like, like it just, I, I was, I was hung up on the breathing tube thing, tube thing, right? Where yeah, I was yeah. like, no, it's got to be a way to like pass the air through. Yeah. Um, well, I like this. That I just posted a, a screenshot of my you little, you little dude. Oh, just a little guy. Just a little guy. Little little O2 tank. Perfect. Um, <laughs> Patrick, I have figured out. Oh, why I all, never got all great Rob stories so start far. with hold on all but all great Rob stories with I have figured out and then um <laughs> cut to 40 minutes later sorry what was this you've had to play Halo is that what you said well before I how cut to play off? Halo yes or okay more well, we, we're waypoint getting into guides um and the first one we're putting out is Rob's guide to how to get how to play Halo so Rob uh for the SEO munchers out there <laughs> How do we how do we play Halo? How an, to play Halo? An oral history of how to play Halo. <laughs> well, first of all, you abandon pride and shame. <laughs> and you play 
on a difficulty level that like the flavor text from Bungie might suggest that you shouldn't be proud or feeling <laughs> confident for playing this the game. This is not the way to like wow. so heroic it says this is the way to play Halo on rookie or whatever it is like it doesn't say this is not the way to play Halo. it's basically like yeah you could i'm sure beat the game but it will be a hollow joyless experience and i'm like pew pew uh, my friend maybe for you <laughs> uh no i i think so i'm continuing to play a little bit of halo but no the, th- the thing that hit me is i hit the point where i've always fallen off the game and i, I figured out exactly where it is okay where you go to rescue no where you go to capture uh to rescue capture captain keys near the start of the game you go yep. into the fucking covenant ship and it's just a corridor shooter it is the mm-hmm. most corridor ass corridor shooter like ever and you are running through like hallway after hallway they all look identical very little sense of navigating the level because it's all such a blur and then you finally get to him and it turns you around it's like now it's time to escape with Captain Keys. <laughs> and reliably, at that point, I've been like, maybe later. And I just never come back because I am not. <laughs> I'm like, I spent all the time in this fucking covenant ship that I'm going to spend. But this time, because I am uh, getting good and uh, like have been sort of putting some thought into how to be good at Halo. Um, this time I like. Just fought my fought my out of fought my way out of there, and now the AI or secret people that we don't understand quite yet. Your Captain Keys has just been screaming like, "Oh, this time Rob's coming to get me!" Uh, no, I got some coffee grounds to make. Bonk, uninstall. <laughs> just always, I'm like, nope, not sorry. We're not getting out of here. This is boring. I'm I'm done with this level. Uh, but this time, like, I'm cruising along. I'm. I'm in, I'm in, I'm enjoying the flow, but also I'm really excited about we're on the trail of something called the the silent cartographer. Oh, so you okay? Mm. That's so that was my question. It's been so long. So you you've never even made it to the silent cartographer stage, like the Halo stage, like the 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 thing people talk about, think about, in which Halo Infinite is built around. You've never made it to the this silent. This is why cartographer. I had to go back. See, wow. I timed it. Finished. I the knew. Flight. All the questions would not be answered until Halo Infinite. And so now we're going to answer them all at once in one go <laughs> um, across just one game after another. Uh, but yeah, no. So I've been I've been continuing to chip away at that um, and I'm starting to be a bit more a bit more charmed. I think it's come all the way around to, to like when I first played Halo ages ago on Xbox, I was one, like kind of a diehard PC partisan at that point. And two, because I was such like a PC shooter guy, it didn't feel like a lot of stuff I liked playing. Not you know going mean? to play this max shooter. Yeah. <laughs> feels, feels floaty. Myth. Ugh, that's not a real strategy game. Oh, myth is the greatest. One of the greatest games ever. <laughs> well, is it myth two specifically is the one that people really like, right? Or maybe you're a myth one stand. No, so they came out within like nine months of each other. Yeah, I guess the sequels well, back then the were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're. I they're just both remember, I've played myth. I just know that like the blood and like dismemberment was infamous in uh, in those games. Oh yeah, no, like I genuinely like. I would still say myth is the most interesting game Bungie ever made, like by far, because um, wow. it's singular. Like. There, there is no other game like Myth. Well, Halo um, started as a strategy game, right? Like it was an extension of Myth before it became 
uh, a shooter. Oh, so boy. Halo Wars is the actual, you know, this is what they always meant to make. <laughs> no, because remember, that was Ensemble. So that was just Microsoft trying to do something with the um, Age of Empires devs. I mean, yeah. Maybe. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bungie conceived as a real-time strategy game, which players would yada, yada, yada. Um, and it became a, a, an FPS when um, Microsoft acquired Bungie. Fascinating. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, it would make sense. Why would Why would Bungie... I mean, I guess they made Marathon, but uh, like back when they were being on, like <laughs> on stage with Steve Jobs, yeah, with the, to show off. Well, that was the first time Halo was shown, I guess. So, yeah, um, no, but but like uh, Myth is still is still really amazing. I think you can see some of the DNA. There's little ghouls in uh, in Myth that are basically um, the the little ah. Tiny little dudes in Halo. Grunts. Grunts. Um, yeah. Like the ghouls and the grunts are basically the same thing, right down to their attack pattern. Like ghouls' mm. whole thing was to be really fast and really like um kitey, and they would just run up to you and throw something explosive into the middle of your formation. And so like you had like they weren't that dangerous, except if they got close, they would like fuck you up. And that is absolutely like what the what the grunt uh, pattern is. But yeah, continuing to chip away at that. Uh, and like a schmuck also ended up stumbling back into uh, the original Need for Speed shift because I was about to uninstall it. <laughs> and I was what? like, Why? Better. that's not what? how do you make that leap? Classic mistake. <laughs> I was going to uninstall it. And then I was like, where did I leave off, though? <laughs> and the answer was like surprisingly far along. Um, and so I like was was given that a little a, a little run last night and uh, once again enjoying like slightly mad's take on what the uh, car handling dynamics were. I spent a good hour so, <laughs> so I did something kind of it's not my fault. It's their <laughs> fault. I'm sorry. This is this is now it's eleven not, year old okay. video games beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beef. So there are the like like in a lot of racing games, there are car battles in this game where it's like you know, um, Lancer versus Golf type things, right? Uh, so it's it's like similarly classed cars pitted against one another. And last night, one of the events at my tier was um, oh gosh, it was like a Koenigsegg. Uh, CCX versus a Lamborghini Lamborghini um, uh, Ventador, I want to say. Not super important, except the thing is, I was like, the Lamborghini looks cooler, and I will race it, and I will win this event. And I was just getting worked. It was the type of event where if the if the other driver pulls out a five-second lead, the race just ends immediately. And so you, like, miss one corner, and they just drive away you're done um and it's best two out of three uh until somebody like you know wins two of the races that way and i must have spent like an hour trying to do this in the lamborghini and i was like i'm just getting my ass kicked i suck at this this car like i can't do it uh even as i'm learning learning the track a little bit better i'm still not making progress and i was like let's just see what happens it feels like it's unfair it feels like that car can just do things that mine can't. I'm going to I'm going to try it. So I, I switched cars after an hour of failing to do this thing in Lamborghini and discovered that the issue with that little head to head match is that the Koenigsegg 
was just a much better car. I was just, <laughs> I was just like, it's like, I can't believe that. I guess this is one of the things about like maybe why licensing deals end up weird. If you're Lamborghini, your car is in this game just as a big piece of shit. Like this, this whole <laughs> challenge is like, man, here are two similar cars. One of them is basically a shopping cart with like a giant jet engine in the back. And the other is a sports car. Uh, and so like once I once I tried the the other car and I was like, oh, like it corners, it breaks, uh, it doesn't like spin out when I when I put on the gas. Um, easily cleared it and really wish I had that hour back where I was like, it's probably my fault. I've just not mastered the Lamborghini. When the truth was, Lamborghini just kind of sucked. I should have known because <laughs> they always kind of do. Wow. It's only so many things you can do with a big wedge, aerodynamically speaking. Damn. Lambo heads are going to be coming up in our emails. Mad. Yeah, bring it. <laughs> there's, there's one thing I know. I am sure I am sure the Waypoint audience is just wall-to-wall uh, Lamborghini fans. Just like, well, you wouldn't see that shit about Mercy Lago. I'm sure that's Kata, okay. you been playing anything? Yeah. Yeah, is it High Fleet? <laughs> uh, a little bit of that. I was I was gonna say I've been playing Valorant because a new season started. Uh, and I was actually uh I wanted to yell about the fucking competitive queue in that game because uh I think it sucks a little bit. <laughs> um, it's it's I mean, that's the nature of a competitive queue, right? Yeah. Well, um, specifically one thing that they do whenever they have these kind of like structural uh, seasons where there's three acts in an episode. Episodes are the big like 1.0 jump in like patch notes, usually two. So we just started episode four, act one. There was a big competitive reset where basically every time a new act rolls over, you have to do placement matches to get back into the competitive queue and see what your rank is. Um, apparently this time around, it's the jump feels bigger than it's been in any of the previous resets that they've done to a point where like um, people who are at the very top are somewhere in the middle of the entire range. Um, and it feels like it has to do mostly with just the perception of people streaming this, doing that ladder climb, and that needing to not be over as quickly uh, in order for people to keep playing Valorant on stream. Mm. That's kind of an a, 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 an assumption that I'm making here, but like it just feels like there's it's such a big gap this time um, that people like me who are in lower ranks, like I don't have enough time to do climb even if technically like i play with a bunch of people who play a lot more and are in gold and stuff and when we play together and they like level our mmr i'm like fine to like play with them uh if i like wanted to spend that much time playing valorant i probably could get into a higher rank but i'm pretty low and like it's gonna drop me into like the bottom ranks uh and the climb, it's like, it doesn't make me want to continue the climb. Like, the, 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 like, they want the climb to reset 
too quickly, I feel like, for an av- mm-hmm. like a regular person. It feels very much tuned to someone who's going to play only this game and probably stream it. And that's why it's like it, that's why it's like tuned to be so many matches. Um, and that, part of that this the fate of like any game, well, no, like, but, like this after two years, here's the, uh, is that well, who's still here? Well, the people like the most highly engaged people. Yeah, but like I do think there's like a there's a balancing act here that, that I feel like they're tuning a little too far. Because here's the thing, I'm also you feel like Pokemon been tuned you, around the entertainment product of people being like, come climb with me for right. like six hours, right. Right, in a day, and like then they'll eventually get back up to their rank of like the max ranks or whatever. But it's gonna take. But a once very they do that, they time. might go stream something else too. Right, like, and then they yeah. have a secondary. Here's the thing: in the top rank, it becomes a ladder, like just where individuals are 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 ranked with a number. Like if you're in a radiant rank, everyone gets a radiant number, and then you have to climb. You can still climb that and like vie for points there, but it feels like. If you have that, that seems like it should be enough for the streamers anyways to be fighting over the those ladder placements where everyone else who's playing rank and trying to kind of either improve their rank through like practicing and getting better at the game and having fun with their friends, it feels like uh it feels like it's going to be just like a much kind of grindier climb to get back yeah. to the place you were before even not even like well, at, that, advanced. at the highest rank too wouldn't it be like like i think one issue i've seen crop up like at that point is you don't want your top influencers and like streamers in the community also just like non-stop cannibalizing each other all the time true um which it seems to have been an issue like when when if you dump them all the ladder and they're all matching against each other um it can can start feeling pretty airless like everyone prefers to make progress right right uh right. so uh, yeah it makes total sense that they'd be like hey these people like looking like gods at this game <laughs> by streaming themselves climbing the, the the mmr right right uh they don't like People seeing them lose the sweatiest matches possible <laughs> against like where, you know, where they're all great players. But like once you're in that, like there's some people who are like pro great and then there's some right. who are just like top one percent of like all players. Great. Right. And like that distance is actually pretty huge. Yeah. Um, I play another game with a ranked ladder that works kind of similarly. Pokemon Unite, which has also resets. The mm. the difference being the the mm. space between the difference ranks. being that you're just a god at Pokemon Unite. No, I mean <laughs> you. It's about it's about like time availability and investment, right? Mm-hmm. It's the matches are shorter, right? The whole thing, the whole um, endeavor is a shorter kind of product, and the climb. Therefore, even though I was dropped like two ranks from when I I was I'm in masters in that the top rank, and I dropped down three ranks when they reset things. But that climb doesn't take many matches. Like you only need to win like fifteen matches to get up to the next rank. Where in Valorant, if you do the, if you math it out, you can get there in as short as like five matches. But those five matches are like forty-five minutes minimum, right? And so, like time investment-wise, it's going to take longer to climb those ranks, no matter what. And they're adding more space to that gap from where you were to where you are now when the reset happens. And that kind of just took the sales out of me wanting to do the grind. It's like it took, I don't, 
play enough of it. I play pretty regularly. I play like probably three or four matches a week, you know, like most weeknights. I play at least a match. And even doing that, um, playing in the competitive queue, like I like raised like one rank over the last like three months. And uh, I was like, great, this this next one that's coming up, I'm going to like really uh, focus on competitive because they made a change also. And this kind of has helped this issue where there is no if you're if you're with five people, there aren't limits to um, who you can rank with anymore. There used to be like you had to be within three uh, sub rank. Mm-hmm. Like there's like a if you're in gold, you can be with people in gold three which is right before it jumps up to the to platinum or people in silver. There was a small so it was, a, it was like a, a range but it was pretty small. Mm-hmm. Now they made it uh any one of any rank as long as you're five people together can rank together and you'll just get based on the disparity, you'll get less movement in that grind. You'll get less like rank points basically in that grind if you're like playing with someone who's like four or five uh ranks above you um and it's like great now i can play with people who have put in the time to grind a lot but then my my grind becomes longer still because i'm getting less points to put in it but that is sometimes the only way to actually make any progress because it is a a team-based game right right Uh, and when you have this disparity of like which is like average like not everyone you play with can uh, invest the same amount of time all the time and so it's just like it feels like the 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 gap has become too wide at this point between resets where i'm kind of soured on the whole uh climbing thing where before like literally be as this new rank reset was coming up i was like you know what this time i'm gonna i'm gonna really you know stick to competitive queue and like start making those those mmr gains and then i saw the disparity of the of everyone dropping and i was like wow i'm gonna end up at the very bottom and that that is a hard place to climb up from to where i was and then even harder to get past that point right um so yeah that's mixed feelings social mobility is a myth (laughs) um have you thought about streaming for like a bunch of hours yeah just like playing it as a job, like eight out. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Waypoint plus. Hey, thanks. Waypoint plus for making Kato's, uh, <laughs> MMR ascent possible. Yeah. Um, you know, MMR, MMR, isn't that what they put in the COVID vaccines? God damn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's been my value. Also, yeah. there's a new agent in there. She's cool. She runs around. I have to have a, Played her very wow, much, but just completely turning the game on its head. A new well, no, agent it, it, well, runs around. No, wait, actually, in actually, changed the game. This one, if you think about the way that CS is built, right? Uh, the uh-huh. Counter Strike style tactical shooter, running and making noise is usually you know not great. You use it very sparingly because otherwise you give away your position. Uh, she obviously still makes noise, but it's like an ability, and she can run faster than any other character like suddenly there's a potential for someone to be in a place you wouldn't expect them to be because they can get there quicker um it's gonna be interesting seeing that character in a place where you know most people are watching corners uh expecting like a slow peak or like a quick peak and like 
instead she can like run and slide out of corners in a way that nobody else can like take advantage of you know get gaining mm-hmm. information that way you know um so it'll be interesting to see what that does especially at the competitive level and um i need to play yeah. more with her but it's fun seems fun well that is i mean that is the hell of uh like <laughs> competitive, competitive games, games yeah it, where, where it's like well we've really tuned this thing to be like kind of a full part-time job of <laughs> uh, of a thing that you're gonna right. do so like you know those other hobbies you have and other interests what if you didn't yeah right where what was that like really dystopian quote from like a netflix exec where it's like we view our competitors as like sleep and reading Um, that's I mean that's kind of like competitive game design in some ways too where it's like you know I mean really who says who says that you should not be fulfilled by playing like this all the time forever yeah it just particularly Um, stings having an example of something that kind of uh, here's here's that phrase again respects my time as Pokemon Unite does where like through skill and like minimal amount of like grinding i can get up to like this the the rank that matches my skill level um in a way that like doesn't feel like even when the resets happen i'm losing all that like investments you know uh yeah it would you feel better if you were getting a real investment like jesus Valcoin, as you were going through god the ladder no what don't. if you got a little like kill token that was yours and was mm-hmm. indeed not fungible. Oh, <laughs> uh, but then I could sell it to someone. And then, well, that's, yeah. you, well, I don't know. I just put up. A, I, I mean, in theory, I you know, I just put up an article on the site yeah. uh, uh, about uh, called uh, "We Track Down the People Who Are Actually Buying Ubisoft's NFTs," in which I've spent the last. Like it, like during my lunch breaks and like just a little free time, like digging through like the two websites that uh, Ubisoft partnered with to release a bunch of Ghost Recon uh, Breakpoint NFTs. Um, it's very difficult, very difficult to find. Like lots of people have like essentially like pseudo anonymous accounts where it's like it's just a string of numbers and there's just no way to know who that person is. And then I'm just desperately watching the activity. Uh, you can see like the activity fees to be like, this was liked, this was listed, this was bought, this was sold. And then finding someone who like has an identifiable online handle that I can then like connect to something on the broader internet. Um, I found a handful of people and like the, the long and short of the article was like a bunch of like, so the way these NFTs worked was, and I didn't realize this at the start was that Ubisoft wasn't selling them. They were, they just put a bunch up for grabs and then you could claim them. And so it was basically like a, a free land grab for, 2400 um nfts um for breakpoint um and then the people that claim those can then go and you know do what they want with them like for example one person mostly plays offline and so they're unique (laughs) what is it the uh um m m m four a one tactical number two three six they're mostly playing in a offline single player mode (laughs) just the weirdest shit, but they sold it for <laughs> twenty bucks, hoping that an AI will notice. Yeah, just hoping that some guy you wipe out will be like, "Hey, couldn't help but notice the uh, serial number emblazoned <laughs> on that receiver." Well, they're not even unique. That's the thing. Like you know, if you contrast that to like the, you know, the, the like thriving Counter Strike marketplace of cosmetics, like when 
you know, it's part of the reason that like when you'll see like downloadable uh, yeah. like purchases for cosmetic items, the reason they look outlandish is so that when you get into a game, you fucking remember the obnoxious zebra pattern <laughs> that was on the AK because like that's the point. And here is like, who the hell is going to notice the number? And it turns out nobody, nobody I talked to could tell me that at any point during their experience online, was there any indication that anyone had any idea? No, I mean, um, it returns this problem of like, the best like use case for NFTs and games are like, well, it's it's a cosmetic, just special type of cosmetic, but still, ultimately, it's like, but we we have those. It's like, yes, but what if it came with all this other bullshit associated with it? And or what or, if you could sell your cosmetics? No one's ever done that well, okay. before. So then the other, yeah, but right, but then the, the other thing is like, okay, so via this system everyone will be able to have like their cool like signature item and it's like no because there's not enough like variations you can do on these patterns and templates to generate like limitlessly cool distinctive unique like signature looks and so you're going to end up with like it's going to be the same thing as like with loot in any rpg right where like a lot of shit does end up looking interchangeable it doesn't matter if it's like somehow unique in terms of like, well, you know, the 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 color code on this shade of red is like two two number two digits off. Um, well, I, mean, I don't know. I, I would push back on that in the sense that like the like the Dota, like the hat market and T like there is a way to like to differentiate that enough that it thrives as a like personalized marketplace for like that community. So I think that's possible. I think it's it's just it's just true that that's a hard. Like there's there's a reason that like it's really only hap like really only going on at a bunch of valved games. Um, now granted they have their own marketplace and economy they can manipulate, yeah. but um, this is also just like also a bad version of even attempting yeah. it. Like, like the, the, like one of the only distinctive ones I think was like the, the helmet that you can only acquire if you put in 600, 600 hours into breakpoint, which I think someone has and then acquired. Um, but I, I don't know that that's been <laughs> passed off. Well, but like there, there, there's kind of, there has to be like, enough organic interest to support people yes, being like, I right. want to bid on this thing. Right. Um, at which point you're, you're back to, well, some people will be able to get cool, unique items. <laughs> some, some folks, uh, if only there was some sort of word for people who are willing to buy really expensive garbage, you know what I mean? It's like, what, what if players <laughs> could exploit the whales in their own communities directly? Um, but that's not going to happen because the people who want to exploit the whales are the people making the game. And that's the only, like, I feel like that's, you know, what game NFTs would be aimed at, right? Is like, so how can we squeeze more money out of these people with a lot of money and puzzling motivations or maybe what if we just take the cosmetics we've already built through yeah. our worldwide asset pipeline. We throw a number on it. We waste some electricity. We take the or the world one step closer to doom. But you know what? That trust fund kid. He'll buy it and we'll skim a little off the top. You know, like it's not hard to see the motivation from there. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. We'll, we're going to take a quick break here and then we'll be back to discuss uh, the bright future. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And we're back to discuss the uh, games we're looking forward to in 2022. Should we like put a giant asterisk there that is like the games that I'm looking forward to in 2022 contingent upon their release in 2022? In 2022. <laughs> yeah, Sea so Stalker 2 mm. supposed to come out in what, March 2022, to, uh, to which we have not seen any meaningful gameplay, which made me very skeptical that yeah. it was coming out. And then... You know what? Props to them for not even doing the the song and dance that frequently happens, which is, hey, we're going to push it back three or four months. And then three or four months from now, it's like, hey, we're going to push it back three or four months. They, they just <laughs> said, you know what? It's January. We're coming out in December, which yeah. gives them plenty of time to push it back to March 2023, which I think is probably closer to the yep. actual release date of Stalker 2. Do we think what this is all... A typo. Someone hit two instead of three. Ah, and then they've just been sitting on it for a long yeah. time. Like, right, stalker games have a long history of coming out in a broken, busted, and delayed form. So this this just, you know, the, the, COVID aside, uh, this just continues a, a long tradition. Well, and also, maybe, like, stepping back from the metaverse totally fucked up. Maybe they're like, man, people love the metaverse so much. <laughs> I'm so glad. Take- I'm so <laughs> glad we integrated the entire metaverse idea just, like, inseparably into the game design. It was, uh, yeah, it was incredible to have that NFT conversation. 12 hours. I mean, they yeah, for people that missed it, like, they... Is it is it still Game World? Is that still a developer? Like GSC who's actually Game World, right? GSC yeah, Game I think World. So. Okay. So anyway, they they announced Not that, that they means were, anything. That's just a, like sure, that, yes, correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, they 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 announced that uh, they were incorporating NFTs into Stalker Two. I forget exactly what the proposed implementation was. It seemed pretty boring and innocuous, but it did. Um, uh, it still like still sounded extremely stupid. Um, and there was a huge backlash against it, uh, prompting them to not double down at the moment, but then to later very quickly double down and be like, we've heard your feedback, you know, yada, yada, yada. Like, and it was, it was like a bad notes app, like set up, but without an apology. Like it starts as though it's the, 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 the discussion started as though it was going to be an apology and then ends with, and we're still doing that shit. And then the backlash was even more severe to that. And I think maybe 20 minutes later, they're like, all right, all right fine, 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 fine. We're not, we're not doing any of it. Like it's all gone, but also we're going to delay the game by seven months, fuckers. Cause that's it. Like, it's going to take that long to take, take the NFTs out. Um, at least they got, I, I feel like that's going to be a cycle. We see a lot this year is, NFT announced backlash under after careful consideration of the community. We've chosen to not go down this path. Well, you're also racing against the fact that like so many NFTs, like uh, schemes already are starting to run to the problem of like, wow, this stuff is really easy to boost. Like this sort of like this, this sort of like open-ended, uh, like ownership concept makes it also an ideal, an ideal environment for, uh, you know, electronic theft. 
And well, yeah, because you like you, you frequently see uh, like I touched on this in the in the in, in the piece I wrote about Ghost Recon. I was like, yeah, I get to all sorts of NFT pitches in. It's like it's predominantly probably what I get in the morning. Like you you'll see that like pre scheduled emails will go out at like hour marks of between six and nine a.m. in the morning. And the vast majority of the glut that I get in that period is some NFT this, some NFT that. And if it's if it's not if it's related to a oh we, this new blockchain game, it is always here's the money we raised, here's the token we're doing, and then you have to spend like six clicks to figure out like what shockwave game they've developed to like claim that they're making a game. Or and that's if you're lucky. Um, uh, and you know, hey, and shout outs to Shockwave and Flash developers. I don't, I don't mean that to be derogatory. Um, um, but people know what I mean when I, when I, when I say that. Um, and uh, or there's nothing at all, right? Like there was this uh, in the Ghost Recon piece. Uh, one of the people I found that owned one of the Ghost Recon NFTs turned out to be somebody that is developing a uh, an NFT project that has a game associated with it. And I went to their website that is ostensibly about the game and read right. it three times and went, I can't, I don't, hmm. I know I see tokens. I see explanation of NFT drops. I see a discord I can get into. And it's really detailed. It's a really beautiful looking webpage. I was like, I don't, what's the game? And so I parsed that. I was like, I think they're describing a card game. I think. <laughs> and so I emailed the person like who's spearheading that. And we had done a previous exchange where I, I, I mentioned, you know, one of the common criticisms I have of these pitches that make them seem like shitty pyramid schemes is like every pitch I get emphasizes the money. And frequently it's a bullet point of like in phase three of the project, you'll get to see the game. But like phase three is like 12 months from now. Uh, and he answered and like totally acknowledged that 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 is a valid criticism. I thought they had a, uh, a really good line. Um, that was uh oh uh, uh this is from Eric uh, Westbrook um and their their project is this this thing called witches um I think a lot ha- I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that in these early days it's still really hard to convert gamers to blockchain and it's easier to convert blockchain to gamers which I think is like a really concise way of understanding like a lot of the hostility and what's going on anyway all to say that. I then followed that up with a a comment that was, and by the way, I read your website three times and I don't know what your game is, but I think it's a card game. Can you tell me if I'm right? And then they they said they had also fallen victim to the exact same thing of that it's easier to pull in blockchain people that just want to get on the next uh, piece of hype um, that frequently feels like, oh, this is just the way to launch, like the money that you took from the previous pyramid scheme, launder it into this new one that's hot and then just as the suckers catch up, like move it into the next one. And at some point cash out your earnings and, you know, someone else is left to hold the bag. Anyway, what video games are we looking forward to in 2022? Uh, Pokemon comes out in two weeks. <laughs> it does. That, uh, <laughs> Kato, I'm curious about. So um, no game attracts. This game looks like shit. But I'm gonna play it anyway. Um, than 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 Pokemon. Pokemon? Um, yeah, and I feel like that has been because people have so little understanding of how this game is actually going to play. Yeah, but I have seen more hand wringing over what this game looks like, tied up in a lack of Switch to Discord. Like, uh, there's a lot of anxieties going into this game, which is uh, finally they're making the kind of dream game that we've been talking about for. 
20 years yeah. maybe but also maybe it looks a little crappy yeah. so i'm curious we're like where you have landed on this before hopefully i get you a code <laughs> maybe by the end of the week that would that would fit the timeline of when right. nintendo drops that there's two ways that we get codes from nintendo and i mean specifically us as an outlet um where we i think we fall on the middle ground with nintendo which is like well we think you're interesting but not that interesting um <laughs> uh uh, uh, we'll either get the code for a game the day of, like late in the day, well after you could have purchased it yourself in the <laughs> eShop, um, or we get it two weeks in advance. Like that's kind of how Nintendo operates. And so I feel like, for, like, I feel like tomorrow is the day of reckoning for Great. you, Kato. It's like yeah. I, either I will have that for you in advance and you can do some real thinking and playing, yeah. or you're going to struggle to wonder <laughs> if you should purchase it before I can give you a code. Yep. Um, but where, 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 where are you sitting on that game right now? Uh, I mean, I'm sitting like, I'm really like all the ways that they've shown, like mechanically, the kind of changes seem really interesting, but also it doesn't look visually all that great. Like they, they are doing wide expanses in a way that they aren't Game Freak hasn't demonstrated they can do well and that doesn't it's show evoking well in Green Scott. Breath of the Wild aesthetic yet somehow seems to look worse than a yeah. game that was originally built for the Wii U. <laughs> yeah, yes. It's 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 part of their something about the way that they decided to make that artistic style like translate into this new form is like not the the spaces don't look good but that can also be like we've seen very small clips right it's always been very bite-sized kind of uh today i think was the biggest there's like a 15 minute gameplay video that came out today i haven't watched it yet um but i haven't either i saw the i saw the tweets going out about it while we started recording i was like ah shit (laughs) um um, but it, it just it yeah it doesn't those spaces and that art style, the 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 art style of like the, the the character design and the new Pokemon that they've shown looks great, looks interesting. Um, I love the fucking Voltorb that's half made out of wood because it's old in time. So instead of looking like a Pokemon that's made out of a Pokeball that's made out of metal, it looks like they're Pokeballs that are made out of wood in, in back then. But still, uh, but still have some fucking magic that keeps them in there. Yeah, it's, here's my old timey Pokeball, but we still it still just, works. Just got yeah, you throw it and they go inside. Don't worry about it. <laughs> We have to make this part out of wood, but, uh, you know. God, that is funny. It's that yeah, is really good. It's really good. It's because, yeah, it's it's basically, it's the Sinnoh region, a place we've been before. Um, Sinnoh being the, actually, that's they released the Brilliant Diamond, uh, Shining Pearl, I believe. It was a Shining Pearl, Brilliant Diamond, whatever. The Those remakes, that is, it's the same area there, right? Um, but, like, way back in time, right? Like, you're aiming at, like, a vaguely feudal Japan era game situation going on. Um, And like the things they've shown about how they are making battles slightly different, giving you like uh, different uh, modes that you can do attacks in seems interesting, uh, interesting wrinkle on the Pokemon battle system. And like that, the fact that Pokemon will attack you, the person, right? Like a thing that from the beginning, like that was always the quote unquote danger of going out into the world in Pokemon. Professor Oak stops you from going into the tall grass because like you're gonna get fucking murked by some Pokemon. You need your own. Um, but that that never ever actually bears out in mechanics or anything else really in those games. And now it's like, oh, you're walking around in the wild. You can get like some of these fuckers are like it's basically a grizzly bear. It's gonna maul you, uh, and you you have to like deal with that. And that 
that part, all of that, the bits and pieces they're picking out of like the fantasies we had as children about what this would look like expanded, that that original like blue and red expanded, look great and interesting. And it's just, it yeah, it looks like they don't know how to texture wide expanses, expanses or they don't and they don't have enough processing power for like enough grass to make the grass look like grass. I don't know. It, it, it like it looks bad, but I feel like playing it, I might not care, you know? And in, um, and in theory, it's this is like the beginning of a foundational pillar. Right. Of, like they're not going to not make 10 more of these. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. So right. like that's they, they, they haven't spent they haven't waited this long to do this version of the game to then a abandon it even if this one has some some growing pains because i mean people have wanted this type of approach to pokemon like real-time pokemon like that (laughs) all people have been asking for is like let me catch them myself and uh so i i have to imagine that whatever the rough edges here like the switch 2 will exist one day and then game freak will make (laughs) one for a more technically competent switch that you'll still be that you'll still complain about the aesthetics because uh like Game Freak just does not seem to also possess the same um, ability to do what Nintendo frequently does so well, which is to use artistry and aesthetic to help mask their like the technical deficiencies of the hardware in which right. it's built upon. Um, you know, like even Breath of like the Wild was on this. Yeah, Breath of the yeah Breath of the Wild. Like you know, uh, uh, that, that's just Nintendo's bread and butter. It's like yeah. making games look incredible that don't have bleeding edge tech, and so. Um, can I uh, throw a, uh, a yeah. curveball out here? Uh-huh. Um, so uh, I I have to presume Hogwarts Legacy is coming out this year. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> want to see them navigate this because, Will I? you know, I so the most recent um, I didn't watch it, um, but they did like the some 20th ha- anniversary, the 20th anniversary, yeah. like Harry Potter retrospective that brought back like a bunch of the actors Um uh, pointedly only featured like retroactive, like archival footage of, of JK Rowling. Um, hmm. And, uh, and they made, they made a point to like put as like, as a caption in there, like 2019, 20, like, 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 like say, Hey, 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 hey. We, we didn't send a camera crew to talk to her. Like we, these this are all old. camera crews that, that talk to her. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, and this is a game that like the publisher has had to put out statements being like she wasn't involved, y'all. Like, and obviously that's like doesn't is not absolution. Like, but the complicated tensions surrounding this game, where like you know you've also had like the Bloomberg report that like, hey, you'll be able to make a trans character in the game, like a small, you know, a poke in the eye uh, to to uh, to to Rawling, like in a game that's built on a universe that will continue to make her money. So it's not like it is really just I'm fascinated to see how they do or don't navigate that what they like what lines they are willing to walk up to or not what happens when people who work on the game have to go out there and talk about it maybe covid aids them in this respect in which like ah you know can't really do a lot of press interviews like you know so we'll only do like the friendliest stuff possible to try and get around it and so uh yeah it's really you know i have you know i don't really care if that game is good or not but i am just i'm fascinated as a as a project, how they work their way around all of that. Um, because it's, it is the one is the, of the things that are Harry Potter related that are coming out. It is the one that seems at tension with itself, even as a project, which is just not usually 
the the case. Like, you know, the people working on the Fantastic Beast movies. I remember what's his what's that fuck face's name? Uh <laughs> Freddie. No, who's the guy who plays the main character in that? What's the uh, uh, who always does the Oscar bait movies? Um uh, Fred 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 Mare. What's his name? What the fuck? Wait, uh, the, the, the little fan, soft boy wizard? The Fantastic Beasts guy. The guy. Yeah, he played Stephen Hawking. Eddie also. Redmayne. Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He yeah. was like, you know, whereas you had like the trio of like, um, you know, original Harry Potter actors being like, basically like, fuck J.K. Rowling, like she can eat shit. Um, he was out there being like, well, you gotta, you know, respect, Bruh. you know, people have a, you know, Bruh. and so, um, like that's a project in which like it doesn't appear that like anyone involved cares to do any pushback, and so I, I'm just, I'm just curious, I'm just curious to see how they, how they ride that because it could be an extremely good video game and it's still going to have to deal with an enormous amount of backlash um, with the baggage that it comes with. So I'm yeah, just- I just don't know how, like I, I think some of it is also just how much excitement is left for Harry Potter, like especially because like Rowling did everything possible to like spot salt that earth. Really? Yeah. Also, the new movies suck, right? Like, even if, like, oh, even, like, like, the new movies are terrible. Like, all her extensions of the universe have, compl- like, been complete shit. Um, also, you know, frequently involving explaining how wizard shit is just, like, just, just terrible. So, yeah, like, <laughs> not surprising that people were very excited for, like, a retrospective about the thing that, like, was celebrating the things they fell in love with in the first place, disconnected from the monster who, who, you know, created them. Um, I think you're right. Like, I, I, like, but they in still some invited ways, Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. What about you, Rob? What's what's one that you're looking forward to this year? Oh man. Um. So I spoke intemperately once upon a time. <laughs> okay. About once not being interested in a new Gran Turismo. Uh-huh. But then today they posted footage of uh, <laughs> a a a racing lap at the uh, Daytona at the at the Daytona circuit, not the uh, not the oval, but the uh, circuit that they do endurance racing on. And I was like, you know, that looks pretty good. I don't know if it's just the compression on the shitty Twitter video or not, <laughs> but it looks real. Uh, it it looks the way this sort of footage would would tend to look uh, if you if you saw like a racing highlight package uh, on Twitter. And I don't know. I mean, like I am I am clearly like something has um, something is rattling around my head right now where I'm just like I must play all the racing games all the time. That's just what I want to do. Want to compare them? Want to contrast them? Uh, I want to drive the same same cars on the same tracks in a bunch of different games, uh, and so like Gran Turismo coming and being like, uh, I, no, I guess you know Horizon Five is probably the uh, you know it's a it's a current gen um, game, but I am really interested in seeing a Gran Turismo that is like. Uh, you know, cutting edge. Uh, it's been a long time since we've seen that from the series. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I actually am interested uh, in that because, like, when this series was at its height, uh, it was one of the best, maybe the best, like, um, car RPG 
games, right? Where, you know, you build your collection, you upgrade your cars, you you test out the new upgrades on, on different circuits. And so I am interested in seeing that come back. And some of the, like, I, I, I'm curious how far beyond that template they go, because I think that has also become such a bog standard template of like car games that you have to be doing other stuff as well. Um, and some things I've seen suggest that like, there will be a little bit more uh, motorsport stuff in it, and I'm I'm into that. So uh, I I have come around. Like it turns out that as as we get proximate to Gran Turismo, my pff, I don't give a shit about that. Why are you showing me this, Sony? Has turned into hmm. Show me more. <laughs> Tell me what the artisans at Polyphony have been up to all these years. Uh, Kata, what about you? I mean, if we want to go chronologically, next up, in theory, is Elden Ring, right? Yeah, like I thought, I thought about that one, but I feel like we've set our piece. Like, yeah. of course, we're looking forward to Elden Ring. Obviously, I, now it's just like the the slow, <laughs> the, you know, the you know the wait to actually play it and kind of see what that thing is beyond that really exceptional, you know, uh, you know, a preview that we got um, some a couple months back. Now it's been it's been fun to watch people. Uh, use hacked ps4s to like keep it on their uh, on the hard drives and playable and like take out the fog gates oh my god um and like explore like find monsters that uh you know weren't meant to be seen quite yet um but uh yeah 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 i I remain very excited for 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 elden elden ring i at this point it's sort of like i've kind of like had it it's sort of left my mind uh because now i'm just sort of okay i'm when it when it arrives, I I am ready to see what it is. It comes at like a, I mean, three other like massive games come at the same time. Like Dying yeah. Light Two is finally coming out. Um, Horizon Forbidden West uh, will also be coming out. Um, and so those are just like two like there are like three forty hour you know games coming out all at the all like roughly in a in a, in a similar window, which is. Um, that's a lot, but I feel like that's going to happen a lot over the course of COVID is like games are just going to collide into one another because it's like become so much. It's hard enough to project when a release date is going to happen. But then once you're able to commit to it, you sort of just have to like grab the reins and get the game out the door because who knows what's going to happen around you with everything else that's coming out. Yeah. Uh, um. Oh, go ahead. That, um... Advance Wars reboot is supposed to happen this year, isn't it? That got yeah, that got that was supposed to come out last year. Got delayed into this year. Uh, into into this year. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the art style there of that new one, but I I, I am here for them to bring back Advance Wars. Yeah, if only to bring Advance Wars back, which would presumably mean they might make more Advance more Wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed those, like the first two of those uh games on the- I'm excited to go back and like to get to see if I can get into it now because I was not into like X the like the XCOM reboot is what cracked strategy games for me after right. getting up on them at post like the Command and Conquer Warcraft 2 era of of strategy games and so I tried Advance Wars when they came out but like it just didn't it didn't do anything for, anything for me and also like hmm. it seemed a lot of it people People, well, I also just, I didn't know how to play them, right? And sure. a lot of it was like, do verses. And it's like, I don't know, that didn't, that didn't do anything for me. I like playing like the campaign 
sort of like it's a puzzle that you're sort of figuring out. So I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see how those games do or don't bounce off me having now played at least a decent number of strategy games since since they originally came out. Did you play Advance Wars, Rob? You don't you don't strike me as someone that was playing a bunch of not advanced games in enough that form. for me. Oh, wow. Wow. I'm actually curious what you would think of of them. I think they're very fun, but they are on the lighter end, I guess, of tactics. I don't know. We made we made we made Rob play the last Fire Emblem, and that wasn't necessarily the most pleasant experience <laughs> from a gameplay perspective. But what a visual novel! What a visual novel! Hopefully, we get there. You know that there's the you know the rumors they're doing a Final Fantasy Tactics remaster, which is like the ultimate strategy game that I know oh, I would love if they re-released it in a form that. I would want to play. Um, I need to play that I know game that ever. I hear so much about it, and it feels like yeah, it would be I, like, right again, I, my fucking alley. I, I played it when it came out, mm-hmm. and it was like, I don't understand how to play this. Uh, <laughs> and so it was like, I love Final Fantasy. Maybe I would love Tactics. It turns out that was not, those things did not necessarily <laughs> ebb from one uh, flow right into to the other. But now I would be in a position to appreciate, because I know that people always say that, Tactics has like one of the better stories in a in a square uh, game, so I would be I would be game uh, to try that. Um, one on here, which is another curveball, but not not a not about a transphobe. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, at some point this year, probably late late this year, my guess is uh, tied to to the movie. But Ubisoft is making that Avatar Frontiers of Pandora game, oh and I God. remain. Um, fascinated by Avatar as a cultural object because, you know, I think was it Avat- uh, uh, Avengers Endgame at, at a certain point overtook it, and then due to like re-releases because of COVID, like Avatar retook its like sort of like financial crown as like the movie it made the most uh, throwing out. I don't um, understand. <laughs> yeah, well, and and so what I remain the game they're making very expensive. You know, has been. Six, seven years in, in the making, um, tied to a sequel to a movie that came out more than 10 years ago. Um, I just, I, I, look, it's like hard to bet against James Cameron. Like the man constantly like enjoys like putting himself up against a wall and then proving everybody wrong. And maybe through sheer force of will, <laughs> he can make Avatar 2 interesting, compelling, and like a huge success. Um well, if you call something an if you call least, something an event, at least a huge success. I don't know about the first two. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. Well, I, well, in this day and age, does, does one not also mean the other? Uh, but <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I I'm just it's it's like finally coming to a head on what is the legacy of Avatar and what what do people think of it? Um, the question can finally be answered and. Uh, Frontiers of Pandora is like one one version of that being answered, even though it could be the case that Avatar to the movie sucks shit and like the game is fine. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm <laughs> I think the Avatar movie sucks, uh, but I came out of it not understanding what was so cool about it beyond the whiz bang, you know, 3D effects of being being in the theater. But uh, I don't know. So I, I remain I remain fascinated by what that may or may not be. And so I, I remain fascinated by Avatar <laughs> Frontiers of Pandora because I just need to know. I just need James Cameron to answer this for me. What what does the world think of Avatar 2? I have a question. Mm-hmm. Do we think Breath of the Wild 2 comes out this year? 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're hitting that. Okay. Um. Then I'm obviously very excited for that as well. La- like, yeah. Last last whispers I had heard about it, which are whispers passed to whispers, but whispers that I I do trust. Like, uh, I I I, I guess I would be surprised if it didn't come out this year. Right. Is what, is what I would say. I think. You know, you could make an argument for them pushing it if it seemed credible that there was like a switch to reasonably on the horizon. Right. But I, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think I think like between chip shortages and Switch continuing to sell super well, like they just there's no motivation for Nintendo to do anything but just patiently wait until probably late 2023 to to do another another piece of uh, of, of hardware. But uh, yeah. So my my guess is that would that would come out this year. And yeah, I I still like don't know kind of what that game like you know what the yeah. game is but like there's so many specifics about it like even at that, that most recent trailer that showed us like oh like the sky stuff and like hints of how the mechanics are, are gonna work but it leaves a lot to the imagination and i'm almost compelled to not watch anything more from it like what do i yeah, need to know yeah. about breath of the wild 2 <laughs> like, yeah first game was incredible uh hope they keep you know the weapon degradation cowards uh, don't give in don't to the mob. In. Don't. Don't give in. <laughs> Weapon degradation was fucking great. <laughs> you want to put in mechanics and ways for people to ease that curve for themselves if they want to? That's fine. That's fine. But <laughs> leave, leave that. I guess that's the question, Kato. Do you think they leave it in? Yes. I, I would bet. So I would bet yes. I would bet yes. I don't think there's been enough of a actual. Like there's been a lot of griping about it. But I don't think anyone's made a really consistently compelling case for why for its total removal, other than they didn't like it very much. Like, I don't know. There's there's like certain things where like uh sequels happen and like people like they take into account things that people like got mad about. But I feel like this was a case of more louder than than louder than uh um there being a lot of it, and know. that's why I think they'll respond to it by giving players more options. I sure. Like, I, yeah. I don't think it will go completely unaddressed. Like, yes, it was kind of annoying sometimes to be climbing a mountain and then to fall off because the lightning showed up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Who like, was you were it wearing at Kotaku? I think it might have been, like, Kotaku Australia. Um, or maybe it was just Luke, which is a different sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, well um, Kotaku, there's Kotaku Australia, and then there's Luke Plunkett from Kotaku who lives in Australia. Those are, those like, are different things. I just remember a thread of they woke up late, and their kid had access to their Switch. And it was like, da- like Daddy, can I play... Uh, Breath of the Wild. Sure, sweet, go ahead. Oh, this is going to be a single save <laughs> tragedy. And I they think. open their save. No. And all, like, a page's worth of, like, end game, like, max tier <laughs> weapons just shattered and ruined. <laughs> and the that only rules. thing, like, the only thing the kid had been doing was, like, killing the goblins. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, just like not a single wow. boss, not a temple. Wow! Just killing trash mobs. <laughs> that's so good. Kids rule. God, that's that's, that's amazing. Uh, uh, Jessica, Jessica made me do one time where she was during COVID. She was watching me play. I think they re-released Super Mario 3D World. Um, and she was like, "Has that Princess Peach?" And I was like, "Yep." It's like, "Can I try it?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." Like, and so I hand her the controller and. 
she, you know, didn't really have a grasp of like moving around in the 3D space, but she was able to like go in a direction, hit the jump button. And so she would just jump Princess Peach off of, of, of a ledge and just, <laughs> ca- and just, and just cackle. Um, and uh, lives don't uh, matter, but they, they, they are like a source of friction in 3D world. And so I was torn between, uh, although I don't care if my kids play video games, I want to encourage their, their interests. Um, and if that happens in video games, that's fine. Where I was like, okay, like if you want to mess with this and she just spent the next 20 to 25 minutes, just taking princess peach, killing her over and over and like taking me from like 75 lives to six. And then be like, I'm bored. Can I get a snack? And just like throwing the joy con. <laughs> I don't think I picked up the game after that. I was in like one of the end worlds and I just never finished it. <laughs> I feel like that's Yoshi's interior life though. Just like just like staring at these staring at these assholes being like, I could fling you into the abyss. Just dump you off. And then I could eat. Then I could just go back to my island with the with the bows heavy with fruit uh, and never see you again. Um so things that uh like I'm super excited for again like not a surprise but like man I'm ready for some dark tide. Like vermin tide but in 40k I'm all in. I have fallen down a 40k rabbit hole this year. I'm like <laughs> learning the entire campaign history of uh the Tanith first and only aka Gaunt's Ghosts. Only, uh do you have any armies? Oh God! God, like you, I would play Warhammer. Yeah, the tabletop game. The tabletop. No. <laughs> no. Uh, Why would I do that? God. I like I I like I like playing war games, mm-hmm. and I like reading books, and I like military sci-fi. I don't like arts and crafts. Wow. Yeah, and I like. I would like I am just not going to go down that rabbit hole uh, and like force yeah. myself to learn to paint my armies uh, so that I can play what by all accounts is just like an OK tabletop game. Like it's fine. Wow. Eh. OK. This is not a controversial opinion. Okay. Like <laughs> by Minnie's rules, the Warhammer tabletop games are not like particularly well regarded. Um, but Dark Tide, like if they nail the vibe for that, and I think at times with Vermintide they did. The thing that does gives me give me reservation is um, I actually didn't like the Vermintide games that much. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, but so much of it was about like swinging swords and shit. But like I don't think that shit ever felt good. Right. Um, and so I'm uh like I'm a little more interested in a 40k setting where it can be a little bit more of like uh. You know, uh, more of a traditional shooter uh, mm. type thing, co-op shooter, than the sort of floaty combat that Vermintide can kind of fall into. The uh, Aliens Fireteam Elite in 40K universe. <laughs> Rob is nodding. <laughs> yeah, this is... I think we should... I think we should all be playing more of those games. <laughs> we should be... Uh, it's been a couple of years now. I feel like 2022 would be prime timing for uh, Creative Assembly, who did Alien Isolation, 
they've been working on a, a new sci-fi IP for a couple of years now hmm. um, after Isolation 2 didn't happen. Um, I'm very curious. Like, there's so much promise in what they should, like, Isolation, yes, it was way too long, but, like, so many good things in there. Like, oh, my God, like, that team taking another swing at, like, another first-person game. <laughs> Dude, it, like Alien Isolation is like I don't think it's just that it's a fascinating game though. It does have one of the best like opening three or four hours of like mm-hmm. anything you'll ever play. I think it's also just like there is nothing else like it. There, there, there really isn't. Um, and it is such like a singular approach to designing a game like this. And you almost know, like the version that smooths out the rough edges won't feel as good. That's the other thing, right? It's like kind of the ways it sucks are also why it's such a memorable game. And so it's like one of those things where like, I think it happens once, right? And the minute you have, uh, like I'm with you, I'm, I'm so curious, like if they ever lift the covers on what exactly they're, they're, they're doing there. Uh, that's cool. But I also feel like man, alien isolation the things that would probably be top of list of like, here's what we have to do better next time would probably like raise Metacritic scores and like you and I might just bounce the fuck off it. Well, yeah, I think, I think I look, I, I wish that game had sold better in uh tandem with the quality of what it was. Um, But at the same time, I think we also ended up in the correct universe, which is that they didn't make an alien isolation too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that they, they take their lessons from a building a game like that and, and put it into like, like an, a really, really big swing, um, from, you know, a, a, the same team. Um, uh, on that, on, on that note, um, uh, I don't know what the note is licensed games, but I'm pretty soon. We should have been playing Marvel's midnight suns. The, oh, yeah. the, the uh, Firaxis yeah. uh, card Marvel game that got delayed to the summer late spring. Um, it's, it's no longer. So I feel like uh, card is a strong word. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I still liked, you know, when they put out that game, like actual gameplay video of showing a, uh, how sort of a round works out. I got far more excited about it than I was after, learning uh kind of like when they showed the trailer i was excited when they first started talking about it i got less excited then they showed like a long gameplay demonstration i got more excited um i mean i trust that team implicitly like they they have not they have not uh, steered me wrong xcom you know one and two are all-time greats um you know they're a team that got me to understand what's interesting about a strategy game they made one that works for complete dipshits like myself <laughs> and, and also people like Robin Austin who like uh, are obsessed with strategy games. Like that is not like an easy mountain to climb. And so, although like there's a lot about midnight suns that has me raising an eyebrow, it's also the case where it's a team. All right. Like if this is what you wanted to spend your time doing, given that you're a team that probably could have done anything and that you weren't assigned a Marvel game, you chose a Marvel game and you chose to like f- switch up the gameplay um, into a more like real time uh, sensibility. Like I'm right. Re- I'm ready to be convinced. I'm like, you know, arms wide open, want to know why this is the direction uh, they went in. Um, and so yeah. that remains like a game high, high on my list because it's, it's one of those rare instances where I find myself cautious and not pessimistic, just cautious about the changes that have been made, but have never been more excited to be 
like to realize within five minutes, like, oh, yeah, of course you couldn't have done this any other way. Um, because that team is just so smart. Um, yeah. Uh, I think in that vein, uh, Weird West is one that I've definitely got my eye on mm. as well in terms of like uh, magical tactics uh, with some stealth elements. It's from uh, one of the designers of Dishonored. So like that is one that I've definitely got my eye on because uh, it look like in some ways it looks a little bit like um, sort of the commandos inspired gameplay of like um, shadow tactics, but it also looks a little bit more like they're working on making the actual, like when shit's popping off and you're using your characters like um, in combat is maybe a little more oriented toward making that fun as well. Uh, which is where I think a lot of those stealth games tend to fall down of, I think the, the problem of stealth, I think actually it's worse in stealth tactics games where like if you've set the entire thing up to be like, well, you're going to use all these tactics to stay stealthy. Uh, now it really feels like you fucked up when you like solve the puzzle incorrectly and now you go loud. Um, I think most of those games have that problem. I'm hoping Weird West kind of like sidesteps it. Unfortunately, the only thing is I'm not sure the setting does a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued by the idea of the game. Nothing they've shown though. Like my relationship with Dishonored is very much like, my imagination is always journeying in the world of Dunwall, right? Like I, like I never mm-hmm. fully live. I'm always like, man, dishonored all the stuff about that world, the outsider, those various settings, weird West. I'm like, yeah, okay. Eldritch Cowboys. I gotcha. That's cool. Hope those game mechanics are good. And they look good, <laughs> but the, 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 the setting doesn't exactly uh, like spark a lot for me. Yeah. Uh. Um, Last picks here because we gotta we gotta dash to a meeting. Oh yeah, real quick. I was gonna say, is there a last one you want to shout out, Kato? I was just gonna say in the in the vein of tactics, one that I forgot was coming out this year also, uh, but I enjoyed the demo of when it came out last year. Uh, Triangle strategy. Yeah, uh, the next from the Octopath Traveler devs. They need to just commit to that name. At Triangle this point, strategy too far. Oh, cannot god. do not give it. Oh like, my god, uh, Knights of the. Whatever, don't give it a formal name. <laughs> Stick to tri- triangle, triangle strategy. strategy. Like own it. Yeah, I would love that. But I really enjoyed that little slice that they put out. The tactics were cool, and the the sort of um, dialogue choices that will change your path were like f- fun. And I think that the world they set up seems interesting. You know, a war over salt, a war over steel. It's just like feels right and good <laughs> in that way. That like it's um. It's 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 got my my attention. I'm interested to play more of it. Um, uh, Stray, which is the Annapurna cat game, mm-hmm. um, that's been shown a couple oh, of yeah. times. You know, I don't really know what that thing is, but it looks gorgeous and like the premise rules. And so I can do nothing more than just hope that Annapurna's general bar of of quality, uh. 12 minutes aside, <laughs> uh, like, you know, uh, like leads to, to something that is uh, satisfying beyond some really cool trailers. But like that, that is one where we don't know when it's coming. I feel like that'll just go like, like it's out in three weeks, uh, something like that. But that, that remains kind of like the top of my list of a game that every time it comes up, people lose their shit. Cause of course, like a cute looking cat in a sci-fi world is, is, is very novel. Um, but I, I, I remain interested to see how that actually hands out because that that should come out this year 
Um, yeah, I think for me, like thing that I'm like sort of nervously anticipating, like Homeworld three. Honestly, it's it's sure. like um, I like the studio a lot. I'm I think I think Homeworld games have always been really cool. I I think uh, they are they also ended up being cult hits for a reason. Um, and I'm curious if if some of those issues can be solved uh, this time around. But I think I think most importantly, it's like. Homeworld is again like one of those games that's such a vibe um, that it, independent of like how the game works, I think it, it like that series in general has done better at um, like the Kubrickian coldness and like uh, iciness of of space and like sci fi settings. They've always done that really really well, and I'm just in the mood for that kind of flavor. I am so, I I am so done with like really pedestrian visions of space where it's all like how many bright colorful nebulae can we shellac in the background? How how much can we crowd the frame with big detailed like overly ornate starships? I'm like a little more interested in this notion of like. Uh, just the just the the vast expanse and these huge fleets that you zoom out like to resolve into like tiny little pinpricks of light uh, and and explosions. That stuff is always does it for me. I'm I'm hoping that like Homeworld three can not only channel some of that uh, like feeling from the previous games, but can also maybe reach a new audience that's there, not just for nostalgia. Related, uh, I hope Starfield is good. That's all I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> that would be nice if that game was good. You think that game comes out this year? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. They, 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 announced a, they announced a date. They won't miss it. I, okay. I don't think. All right. Really? I mean, you can always miss a date. <laughs> but you can really? always miss a date. <laughs> I, I have confidence that like, that team announcing like more than a year in advance is... is uh, I mean, look, anything can happen. It's COVID. Like, I'm not going to, like, wed right. myself to that. But I'm I, like, if you were asking me to bet, I would bet that they hit the date. Yeah. Um, All right. I mean, it's true. They have they a track a record of hitting, hitting a date regardless of the state of the game. Sure. <laughs> That's a, sort, of, sort, of, sort of what I mean. Right. Um, right. I think that game is just like that game is like a huge pivot point for the future of Xbox, like as a platform that yeah. um, they don't have games like that that come along very often. And so I expect that game will. Arrive on November 11th. And within six months, integrated Nexus mod manager support built right into your Xbox. <laughs> Microsoft being like, so honestly, like Starfield is finished. You just need this total conversion mod. Uh, and that is now the experience we recommend. Uh, that is a wrap on today's episode of Waypoint Radio. If you want more from Waypoint, you can follow us on Twitter at Waypoint. You can follow us on Facebook and YouTube, Waypoint Vice. You can follow me on Twitter at Rob Zachney Patrick. Uh, at Patrick Kulpik. Kato. At A underscore Kato underscore appears. For our Waypoint Plus listeners, we just actually did that go through, Kato? That went through. Yeah, it's out. Yeah, cool. For our Waypoint Plus listeners, we just published our uh, our show on The Matrix Resurrections. Uh, had a long discussion about that. And, uh, you know, spoiler, I was the odd person out. Little, little underwhelmed, uh, but... <laughs> We had a lot of fun discussing the movie. <laughs> More than made up for by three people going, Masterpiece! <laughs> uh, so if that sounds good, or if you just want more Waypoint, you can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe. Not only do you get access to our premium feed, but you're also helping support Waypoint, especially Waypoint streams. Uh, I think this week we're going to be 
working through more of House of Ashes. Probably not finished. Well, the rate we're going, House of Ashes might be finished with us. Those uh, those <laughs> games are those games they are they are developed to be pretty short. I think they're Snackable. like no longer than six hours. Yeah, like they're yeah. So maybe not maybe not to, um, all in one run, but pretty close. All right. So once again, that's waypointplus.com. Our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. That's us calling it a week. We'll talk to you again next week. Until then, fuck capitalism. Go home. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Is it bright? There's a lot of cool video games coming out this year. In the next six weeks alone, Kato. Oh, video games. Right, right. That that future. Yeah. (laughs) Don't look outside your window. (laughs) Sorry, just opening my surface. Oh, my God. Got a little list written down here. Jotted down can't, some musings. Can't pull, can't pull that up in a in a tab. Got to open it up in the surface. <laughs>